Welcome to Ease, the entertainment and showbiz experiences podcast. It's all things entertainment based, how to get into it and how to develop it into something once you are ready to move on. All the information people didn't tell you, forgot to tell you, or were too busy to tell you, all told through personal experiences. Welcome back to part two with Calvin Cooper. We get right into Broadway. He tells us everything we need to know about Mrs. Doubtfire and his experience on Broadway. And then we do a 180 and we talk about all things ballroom culture. I never realized so much went into it. Houses, dips, voguing, and so much more. We really dive deep into that. COVID-19 has really devastated Broadway. So in a couple weeks, I'll bring Calvin Cooper back to give us a then and now interview about Broadway and how he's dealing with this pandemic. Enjoy this week's one-on-one. Let's turn back to Broadway. So you, um, you Lauren asks you not to, <laughs> to go on so, ships. Yes. One of the beautiful things about my relationship with Lauren was when we met for Kiss Me Kate because of the audition, um, she has been... I think that's when they say the term is the champion in your corner. Mm-hmm. Um, because from the moment that when we started to work together, she was like, you are, she would call me her Broadway bound baby because she said that only because she knew that I was so fresh to musical theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and like often she would like mention something and I'm like, wow, what show is that? But she knew that was the type of person in me of like, I hear something, let me go do my research. Um, because that was one of the things that was taught to me by Casey, uh, Casey Johnson. He was like, if you don't know something and you hear it in your field, then you might as well go look it up and learn about it because you are in the field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, um, but yeah, so like through my journey with her, it was, yeah, at the Muni, she, she was like, yeah, I have this new project and I would just love for you to come in. And that's what happened. It was beautiful of her to see that growth in me. Um, I like to say the phrase, I learned my lines and earned my spot. So this wasn't one of those relationships where I feel like I owe anything to anyone but myself. Like, you know, um, not that I didn't get it without help, but it's like, she just asked me to step up to the plate and I chose to, you know what I mean? Um, And so that's what has been great about our relationship because she knows that I don't take this for granted and she doesn't take it for granted, like the artwork, the, what these stories could say to people, the, the, the artist she brings in the room and how to, you know what I mean? So it was very beautiful to have someone who saw that in me well before, um, because it was the same thing. I have a funny story about Casey. When Casey saw me at Bush Gardens um, and when we were talking at the meet and greet and he asked me to come to the audition, I showed up to the audition. And this is, like I said, this is when I was just starting to dance. So all I knew was concert world, really, in Bush Gardens. And when I showed up to the audition, he was like, did you bring your sheet music? Because remember, I talked about how I had to sing for Jeremy Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said to him, I said, bring my sheet music. Why? He goes, why not? You, you're a singer dancer, right? And I said, no, I'm just a dancer. And the way, especially since we know Casey now, the way that man gave me this Debbie Allen cold shoulder from fame of like, oh, you just a dancer, huh? And then walked away and said, well, all right. And left me at the sign in door. (laughs) Like, it's so funny to have someone who saw that I had so much more to offer than I thought myself. And mm-hmm. so it was beautiful getting to meet Lauren in that way. And when she's like, 
oh, you're my broward bound baby because I was so green and so fresh. And she was like, uh, at the Muni, which was last summer, that's where she said to me, your Broadway career will be prolific. Get off of cruise ships. You have to do the next chapter now. Because I, I couldn't get to Broadway if I was always out of town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it was just nice having that relationship hit. So yeah, I auditioned um, in June. And it was a quick process because at this time they already did a reading and things. Mm-hmm. And so they were just looking for these last bits. And one of the things about this ensemble requirement was this wasn't a big chorus show. So every member on the stage understudies a principal. Mm-hmm. So that was a requirement. So that was what I mean when she said step up to the plate. It's like now or never, not only am I breaking into Broadway you know, like getting there, but it was like, you need to be ready because you're going to, this is something that can also possibly move your career forward. So now here I am, first Broadway contract, and I'm also understudying a principal track. Yeah, that's not too uncommon nowadays on Broadway. Is now is not, less, yeah. Less choir, less chorus ensemble people that don't really do anything. Not, not okay, enough with the hate mail. I'm, <laughs> ensemble does a lot of things, but they don't have to understand. I like anybody. to say, I, I like to say this because of one project I did before. It's nowadays they hire uh, full triple threats where there was a lot of work coming forward. Where I like to say you'd have performers who didn't contribute in every department. Sure, there was That's no like contributing the, to yeah. something. Because well, I've done Goner- a project where um, in, in Kiss Me Kate there was a male dancer. Who was very open about it? He was like, I know that I got hired not for my voice, but for my dancing and, and my celebrity. And I was like, oh, I understand. And like, we were very real about this situation. Um, and that's what it was. It was my first time being in a project like that. But to me, that was the norm, you know? Like, I was like, oh, yeah, I knew people who were just dancers. But then, yeah, as you get to 2020, uh, there's been less and less full ensemble shows and been more yeah. concentrated, which is, I mean, either way, this is what happens. You pick up with the times, either you're a full triple threat and it might not even be your season of triple threats. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or you true. might, or you might not be a triple threat and you notice that the season is all shows. I mean, remember there was a season when we lived in New York, it seemed like the season was nothing but drag Queens and children. there was was the desert kinky boots was coming matilda was there i was like this is nothing but drag queens and children like and if you couldn't do them you you just did oh annie was on broadway after like it literally turned it literally went into drag queens and children and i was like wow but there's nothing against it which that that was the season and if you couldn't get into the door then you You had to wait to the next season that was a rough season because there was only like 12 musicals that came out that year. And like, I remember it being like, uh, all those auditions were hard. It was like musicals weren't even making it to Broadway. I remember Mm -hmm. I was talking to somebody about Chaplin. I remember auditioning for Chaplin, the musical that barely made that's Rob. I think Rob was going to do it. No, Rob did do it. It was like, it didn't, it barely made it. Um, Mm -hmm. So many other things and like projects are getting like, put off and put off and put off because yeah. it was, it was just a rough season that season with kinky boots and Matilda that year. Um, 
But so you're you're doing this Broadway thing. You're on Broadway. What's your what's your insight? What are you what's going on for you as your first time on Broadway rehearsals and getting ready for the stage? Um, what do you mean? So what processes did you did you didn't realize? How is the rehearsal going? How is it different oh. than everything else that you've been doing? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this sounds this is like the best thing. It's like the advice I tell kids. Okay. What I learned in this process is that it ain't about the venue you in. It's about the work you put in. It's about the the opportunities that are being given to you and are you stepping to the plate? Because the experience from Tech Week on Broadway to doing the Muni to doing Hell Week for cruise ships, it's all the same. Mm -hmm. We're all here to tell stories. We're all trying to do work we believe in. We're all trying to be better than we were the season before. We're all here in this art. So there actually isn't a difference other than like the, obviously the benefits of having representation, having a union, but with every job comes learning curves. Um, so that's just all I've actually learned. Like to me, yes. I mean, I went in there and I was like, Oh my God, I'm on Broadway. And I realized though, yes, to enjoy that moment. But I was like, this is still rehearsal. This still comes with discipline. Mm -hmm. This still comes with training. Um, you know, like from my very first cruise ship job to learning how to do the Spanish web and mm -hmm. to coming to Broadway and, you know, I'm, I'm not the best tapper, but I tell everybody, they're like, you tap, I tap, yes, on Broadway, yes, I do. <laughs> like, yeah. because I had to, I learned it. It's part of the job. So it's like, there's no different from what are you willing to do? When I did Cats, there was an aerial show we had to do and you had to train in that. So it's, do you step up to the plate and expand your experiences or do you decide to take a different route? So Broadway isn't going to be Broadway. Um, unless you make it Broadway. It's like, why did mm -hmm. I go to VCU and not try to go to Juilliard? It's, right. it's, it's nothing other than the work you decide to put in it. Because, mm -hmm. you know, because I hope I'm saying that right. It's like, it's not that I don't enjoy, I mean, baby, you know, I'm over here smiling ear to ear at rehearsal, always early, never on time, baby, because on time is late. And when I yeah. tell you... But it's not that I'm just like, oh, because it's probably no, it's because I have respect for what my what is my contribution while I'm here. Mm -hmm. And so what's something yeah. that you're noticing is is different than you thought? Because we all have a when you're on the outside of Broadway and you're looking at everything, of course you have a perspective on what mm -hmm. you, what you imagine happens. What do you what do you what are you noticing that's different, good or bad? than what you thought originally? What I learned was this. I think this is something, and I'm going to say it loud for the people in the back, because I <laughs> used to be this person. When you're coming into situations like, I, you know, Broadway or mm -hmm. the concert world and or the, uh, you know, award season in L.A., I came in with that, yeah, I'm here now. I'm finally breaking it through this, like, what I call the co-ed fraternity of Broadway because everybody and their moms is getting the same jobs. And they say, no, I did not see the work for the years they put in. I did not see the relationships that they built. Like, for instance, my relationship with Lauren. It didn't mm -hmm. come because I was 
you know, not doing what I needed to do, it came because, and not every situation is like this, but what I, what I learned is to respect everyone's journey. Mm-hmm. You literally cannot judge a book based on the chapter you came in on. So for instance, there's been a few people who've been introduced, you know, into my world that came in when the Muni and Doubtfire happened. They're like, oh my God, Calvin, you went to, uh, um, on Broadway less than a year, like my last cruise ship family, when I was doing a cruise ship contract, they were, they literally was like, did you see like on your, on your, um, your video, it said only 46 weeks ago. That's literally less than a year, Calvin. We were together. Now you're on Broadway. You did it in a year. No, it was a nine year journey. When I woke up and, and realized I loved Broadway and wanted to figure out that world, it was a nine year journey. So when I got into rehearsals and it hit me, I was like, oh my God, I went from paying to see Rob to working with Rob McClure, from mm-hmm. finding out who the Tony nominee Brad Oscar is, to paying to see him, to working with him. But what it is, is I didn't realize their journeys. So when I'm mm-hmm. seeing these quote unquote co-ed fraternity members rotate through all these shows, I need to open my eyes and respect the journey. Some people did get here quote unquote fast, but some people don't know what they were doing before New York to be that fast to get here. Mm-hmm. So I've just learned to respect myself, respect other people's time, but more importantly, respect my time in this space. Mm-hmm. That's what I learned. You're right, because you initially see something or somebody and you think you make an assumption about it, you know, yeah. at that time and place. I always just think about things like when I assist Jill, that oh, I always I think about Jill. I always think about Jill and I always think, gosh, like how people misrepresent her because she was assisting so much, you know, but Mm -hmm. she loves assisting and I love assisting Jill and I look at her in that light, but people see her because they don't always necessarily might not see her as, as in that role, but she's crazy, like Mm -hmm. doing crazy directorial things. And because she was assisting for so long, people still see her in that light as well. And I always think, gosh, I would pay, I would pay to be Jill's assistant, you know, because I love working yeah. with her so much and I respect what she has to say. And I really respect the process that she got to get to that point in her life. And mm-hmm. um and people always say, Oh, you went to assist. And I'm like, yes, I would, I, I would kill to assist with Jill again. Mm-hmm. Even though I have projects that I do in Florida and I, I do here and there, I I would drop everything to do that over again. So it's, it is respecting people's process and knowing the relationship that they have with people and projects and all of those things and it really puts it into perspective. You have to know the, the 360 degree Mm-hmm. what's happening around it you know and a lot of it too is like especially if they want to compare like well she's always assisting pay attention to what she assisting on and notice right. the different projects because a lot of folks will be like oh she's so ready to leave maybe she's not because there's there's new things not only front of house but maybe back of house now mm-hmm. because people also forget that in an assistant position it's your delegated work so she's agreeing to what she's able to do for this choreographer or for this team. So mm-hmm. even just because the name assistant doesn't mean that she's not getting her credit or she's not coming right. to the table with her skills. When she's assisting someone, 
that already since one personally we both know Jill, but I yeah. would already assume when I look at her that she already knows what not only they but what she brings to the table and how again is going to help everyone in this situation. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the room is trying to do one thing, and that's tell the story. Yeah, that's no, what our job sure. is. <laughs> yeah. So. So, you're, so you're on, you're doing it. You're on Broadway. You, 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 <laughs> you did your nine-year goal and you made it there. What are, you, what are you hoping your career span looks like? Five, 10, 15? Oh, not hoping. I'm going to tell you what it is going to look okay. like. Okay. Um, there's a big difference. Um, I literally said, I think it was actually joking with you. I'm going to get an egoot and I'm going to yeah. be very close to it. Not because of status of like, I am the bee's knees, but because of the work that I want to put in, I have this mantra that you always hear me say uh, called when I rise, we rise. So in my tenure span, I want to continue to use my platforms to also help bring everyone else up and not in the sense of I'm responsible, but it's, We, for instance, we all met costume designers. We've all known people who are seamstresses. So Mm -hmm. if I decide to do a separate separate project, like for instance, I have an opening night look because Mm -hmm. I have an opening night. Oh, wait, instead of me ordering off of a big, you know, fashion place, how about I raise my friend who is trying to start their seamstress business? And, Mm -hmm. you know, so... I'm not only going to get the EGOT because of the work I'm putting forward, but I see myself, I mean, the EGOT, excuse me, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Olivier, and Tony Award winner, um, (laughs) is because I'm also going to be collaborating. So I'm going to dive into everything that comes with it. So, But that's why it's like, like I said, I'm not trying to get into the music to drop a hit so I can get a Grammy. But no, I love, you know, we know so many musicians, so I feel it's going to be inevitable that I'm, you know, not only collaborating front of house, but back of house with, with DJs, with teachers, with, so that's literally how to sum it up. In 10 years, I will probably, not probably, excuse me, I will have pegged one letter off of my egoot. Yeah. At least. And you know what's, you know what I find interesting too, is the Grammys are still, more diverse than I originally thought in the in the beginning because I always thought you had to be on the radio and you had to have a hit song and you had to do all these amazing things. But really, Grammys, there's like spoken word Grammys. There's mm-hmm. um, there's so heritage. much. There's so many. You could be on on Mrs. Doubtfire's cast recording and they win a, a, a Grammy and then ultimately that means you win the Grammy because you're singing on it. Yeah, I have a that'll put under what they call you have a collective Grammy. Mm-hmm. Depending on if it if it you know is under the specific, you know, nomination, Category. it's yeah. like boom, there it is. Exactly. That's why I was like, I'm going to get an egoot because of the work that I'm putting is because I am unlimiting myself. It's mm-hmm. my favorite thing I like to tell people is to constantly unlimit yourself or go explore. Mm-hmm. We we stopped exploring. We stopped because we're too busy chasing fads instead of just finding self-fulfillment and in that you're going to find your because it's just like right now it's like with the pandemic that's going on everyone's like oh my god if i would have put money in the tele doctor stock well guess what that time is gone it is not your blessing but if you spend time to explore you might find your blessing and it might be a hit but what is a hit and what is not is up for you to decide so Mm -hmm. it, it 
goes into that realm of like, yeah, like the way like you can win special uh, Emmy nominations too, because that's why I go, I was like some way, somehow the work I'm going to put in, it's going to happen. Not because I'm chasing it necessarily, but it is like, I love, I love the arts. I love a chance to use the arts to heal, to, to give laughter, to help people get through, to help them look at things, to tell stories that are not normally told. I mean, my presence alone is already giving a chance to, you know, brown and black faces because period, it's like, it's such a huge, I, I told a lot of folks, the reason why I also don't waste my own time in these spaces, because the whole time when a lot of folks want to scream about representation, but don't step up to the plate either. Like, so since I'm here, it's like when I tell folks, brown folks go to music, man, you always say there's never any brown faces. Well, you have to start by showing up. And then when you show up, don't, don't waste your time. What are you doing there? What are you going to do? What story can you tell? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So that, that will be the work that I do that will get me into these, get into these categories because my work, I'm very choosy about the work I do. You know I mean? I fall in love with everything I do because I explore and I mm-hmm. learn. And that's just what it is. So give us some, okay, this is, uh, this is probably going to air before you guys have an opening night <laughs> sorry because your opening night was supposed to be april 5th so mm-hmm. it's right now recording into the 21st of march so your opening night was supposed to be two weekends from now but we're probably gonna air this before your opening night so tell us a little bit about mrs doubtfire without giving it all away to us i would say mrs doubtfire really shows male vulnerability vulnerability is i'm like trying to make sure i say it all the way on this podcast yeah. for male vulnerability because this father is doing any and everything to be with his children it doesn't mm-hmm. care how it looks but no matter what all you see is love and that's mm-hmm. what matters so through the disguise through everything all you actually see is love yeah i think that that's something Maybe that's not always displayed on a lot of our social things that we see every day. It's it's always like this strong stance as a male has to have this power. But I think in this new normal of world that we're living in, you, we need to see that vulnerability and we need to see mm-hmm. that change and the other sides of other side of men. And I think that's what sometimes men struggle with. I know I have a good friend in in. Well, I had somebody that I worked with in the UK and he just was discussing this platform about males having mental health issues because of that, that masculinity or that, that they never were able to talk about different sides. So they're, they were yeah. struggling with that. It's nice to see that some there's that they're really tackling that side of, of, um, of vulnerability. Of, yeah. Of <laughs> mm-hmm. So this is based off of the movie, correct? Yes, it's based off the movie. There are some changes to bring it sure. up to date. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that I will say that I love that you'll get to see when when we come back to Broadway mm-hmm. is that um, there's a song that the writers wrote for the character Miranda that was played by Sally Field. Mm-hmm. Um, she's being that Miranda's being played by Jen Gambatis, and there's this song. And it's called Let Go. And it was actually a song built off of a deleted scene from the movie. And what I loved about this moment is because 
what I noticed with uh, it just happens in this story. Like when you even watch the movie, it's so easy to demonize Miranda mm-hmm. um, because, you know, you only get an allotted amount of time to tell a story. So even when you watch the film, it's like you're not trying to watch this seven hour saga and go down every vignette. But it's the first time that you get a chance to fully understand how strong she had to be to make that decision sure and in everything like does she go to court and get a divorce does she stay what is she really going through because you remember daniel's character pretty much is another kid so he's just a grown kid and so she has to you you get to look in what is inside of her heart and she sings it and i mean it I'll be backstage and it gets me as if I never heard the the plot. I'll be like, sing girl. Tell <laughs> well, you know, how you feel. <laughs> you know, it's it's a trying thing for Miranda's character Sally Field's character, Miranda in the movie, but you really there's like this aha moment, like two minutes towards the end when she walks in the door and then they're like eating and the door finally opens and she doesn't have to like jam it open and she comes to that realization and you realize you have to make that switch for her that she had to make a choice like that. She really Uh did have to look and sacrifice and ask and question and go through the hard, the hard thoughts to decide that she was going to allow him to still see her their kids you know because she understood how important it was because i love that too that they showed that because yeah when you watch the movie because of the natural turn of events it's so easy to just blame her or make Mm -hmm. her the villain because she does she has to play the disciplinarian and Mm -hmm. basically against daniel she does kind of play that villain-esque because of their actions together but it's so it's easy to point the blame and you like i said when you see that moment you're just like oh i'm so glad that they expressed it mm-hmm. because they've already did a great job of making her this independent strong you know woman raising these children and making these tough decisions that you don't actually get to focus on because the storyline basically focuses on daniel and the children so it's like it's nice when you get to see these little small vignettes that actually help propel the big story. Yeah, of course. It helps you find ways to connect. Like families are going to come here and there is some, there is something for everyone. And even if it's just for, especially for moms to be like, baby, if these kids knew what I had to go (laughs) through now, they will know because they'll see it in a different light and go, mom, I'm very sorry, or I understand husbands that get to understand brothers that understand sisters. Like everyone's going to come through with love because that's what you're seeing. Yeah. You're, it's it's so true. I'm so excited to see it. And you know what I thought was really, really interesting about Mrs. Doubtfire? Well, there's a few things that I'm obsessed with. That, <laughs> that pink color is like my favorite yes. thing. And then to with that milky pink color, I love it. Mm-hmm. And I love yeah. for so long that we didn't see Daniel's face until you guys opened. Uh, yes, it's, it's actually been one of the, I think, best choices that yeah. uh, our press, our, what is it, PR team could yeah. think of. Because, I mean, there was some some obstacles and like of what to do and how to do it. But I appreciate it. Also with Spanish, like, yes, because first when you actually get to see like the casting that was happening and then when you finally got to hear 
Mrs. Doubtfire's voice. You're like, <sighs> the PR department did a really great job of choosing th- that obstacle and how to, ha- I should say, how to handle that obstacle. Mm-hmm. Because first, you know, once the the waves were being picked up that this was finally happening, mm-hmm. um, then it was, you got to see some of the casting to then you got to hear Mrs. Doubtfire's voice for the very first time. Mm-hmm. It just added to that suspense. And you're like, what are we going to do? Um, because also it was, how do we keep this a secret because everyone's waiting to finally see her, but then how do you control it once we start letting audiences in? And I thought it was smart that the first preview, they're like, here's, here's the face because Mm -hmm. we we can't go through every seat and be like, don't take photos. I mean, even though they make the announcements and people don't actually have theater etiquette like we used to. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, like not in the sense of, don't scream if you want to scream because it's good. Actually, give us that energy. Scream, clap, cry a lot, but actually just enjoy the experience. So we were mm-hmm. like, the best thing we can do is just release the face the day sure. of. And that, and it worked. So mm-hmm. No, it was really smart. I thought it was one of the best. I One of the best promotional things I've seen in a while. I really liked it. Yeah. Um, but let's let's turn let's turn left on this subject so we're discussing a lot of things about broadway but culturally speaking you're pretty ingrained in this in this voguing culture in the ballroom culture ballroom i'm sorry i my terminology <laughs> is terrible with it but tell me this is something that really is is bigger in new york than it is in la correct yes because it started in new york right so this subculture you're pretty ingrained in and you tell us a little bit more about it. This is something that you were discussing about LA, how people were trying to fit voguing into mm-hmm. commercial dancing. And this was still really super This was new still to them. when the only time they knew of Vogue was because of Madonna's song that was influenced by her being taken down to the clubs. Um, right. Well, actually, my influence of the ballroom culture, me joining the culture itself, came actually back in Virginia. Um, okay. I was introduced to it when I went to college. It was the first time, because I was, you know, hard to believe, in a glass closet. <laughs> um, because I say that because that's when we still fit stereotypes before we had LGBTQIA plus before mm-hmm. we knew how, or like I like to say, before we, we knew how to add more boxes to this right. community instead of just being free. Um, I was raised around the House of Ninja and also mm-hmm. the House of Sinclair, um, not because I seek them out, but because also um, Richmond is one of the gay capitals in Virginia. It is the gay mm-hmm. capital in Virginia. And um, yeah, through experiencing college, yeah, I met um i met a ninja i'll say that and i will keep mm-hmm. it to because you are you just i i don't need to be saying everybody's names because also sure. it's just like but my first um <laughs> my first like flirt boyfriend-esque freshman year was from the house of sinclair and i remember being like what and then that's when um I first started learning about Paris is Burning, but I was going out to this club called Club Colors. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. a gay club near the campus. And I saw, I mean, from 
the House of Laurent to, I mean, St. Laurent, excuse me, to Sinclair's, to La Beige's, to Ninja's, to the House of Khan, uh, the House of Ovaness. Like I started to learn. And then I was doing this senior project um, with the choreographer and graduate uh, Hunter Carter. And his uh, thesis was based off of the ballroom culture and I forgot the full depth, but it was basically how the ballroom culture came up to the light and how it's in modern day entertainment. Um, so one of my favorite things that he did was our costumes were in black and white and we were required to watch the film. Then we also through life went out to the clubs and stuff. But one of the things that he noticed is that I like to rhyme. <laughs> I, I am quick witted and I'm quick with it. Amen. And so, um, I was um, given a mic at the end of his piece where I had to commentate or chant, um, which is when you see them, you know, being one chop, two chop, three chop, four, or you've been chopped by the whole dumb board. Like it went from this music to this runway to then it turned into a ball at the end of his piece. But that's how I got introduced to the ballroom culture because I was, I was already in it. I was just made aware. It feels like the underworld because you know, you. I went to the gay clubs, but there was a whole different section of the club that was happening that I didn't know of until I was made aware. And that was the kids who were voguing and the ballroom children. And you see how they would come in deep with their fierce fashions or their whole aesthetic or their, you know what I mean? Like it just was this certain va-va-va-voom that they showed up in. And I was like, what is that? And who are they? And mm -hmm. then I started battling and I went 007. I'm, I mean, I went 007 for a while, which is, I was rogue. I had no house affiliation. Um, baby was a femme queen, butch queen, walk in vogue. Uh, like I was in all these like categories that they, like it was this fun, smaller community but it was still big in Richmond and then when I got to New York um, I haven't really been part of the ballroom scene out and about but I spread the education mm -hmm. I started a house myself um, I am a mother I, I am decor <laughs> decorum <laughs> I am decorum Aida Pabon of the house of Pabon an up-and-coming legendary house <laughs> mm -hmm. I am the mother where I co-parent with um, Carlos Pabon who is a fashion designer. So not only are we a house with ballroom culture in history, but we also are um, a fashion brand. So it's pretty much everything that you know from the underground with a little bit of above ground mixed in. So what we're doing is we're not only raising our children um, with the knowledge of whose shoulders we're standing on to be this free, but we're also a brand and we are building it for us, like not us as in us exclusively, but us all inclusively. We are a house of inclusivity. We are here for everyone, whether it's actually to dress you or to address you. Amen. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, that's this, my little bit. <laughs> so um, Vogue has been around for, I mean, decades and you bring up a really good source is Paris is burning. And that's how I, that's how I knew about it. Um, and you have experience in it. What do you think voguing? Why do you think voguing went from like zero to fire in this in this society that we live in right now? I feel like the reason why um, it's gone from like zero to fire is because 
we are the backbone to keeping everything moving. We are, we are this world of, we have survived so much and we mm -hmm. will always survive. We are the true meaning of transcendent. Like we are boundless. We are unlimited. Um, you know, it's, it's the same showing of like, front of house can do nothing without back of house. So without the oppression and the fight from our people, we wouldn't have anything. So with that fight came beautiful art. And with that, it's touched every and everything, period. So the fact that the ballroom culture, it's like Willie Ninja said himself, he wanted to take it across seas and he did. Mm -hmm. He did. Because it's not... No, it's it's not exclusive. It's and ultimately it's just all inclusive. But you know, you still get in where you fit in, sis. <laughs> yeah, and I mean historically, it's been it's been a part of the gay culture for mm -hmm. a very long time. But now you see it. It's like um, hip hop went through there those transitionary phases where it was like a lot of b boy, and then it was a lot of popping and locking, and then it was a lot of. Like um, mm -hmm. body oh, manipulation. Do you remember when we did we did a workshop with Nappy Tabs? And yeah. I remember that's when America's Best Dance Crew was still up and coming. And yeah, do you remember they, um, after, because I, I, I voted for them because they was like, oh, they knew, uh, honey, they knew the legendary, iconic Laomi Mizrahi. Mm -hmm. um, and they were working with her on a project or something before, but they knew her and they've been a part of the culture as well, too. Mm -hmm. um, but remember, that's when, yeah, they made a boy do a dip out of a mm -hmm. back handspring or a back tuck. And I remember watching it on the episode because it was like, Calvin, it was after we we did this project with them. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when it was like, oh, we made this guy do a dip after you. And that's where he ended up actually hurting his knee. And I tell you, like, for instance, we have a section in our show where, yeah, it's, it's Frank and Andre. That's the, the gay brother of Daniel Hillard in our show. And we bring Vogue elements. And I use my platform to speak up because I told, you know, everybody in the room, that first thing foremost, you need to treat Vogue as a dance technique if you're going to come at it through a dance perspective. Because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of folks like to talk about the major points of duck walk, hand performance, catwalk, and your dips. But I told him, I said, yeah, you don't just drop to the floor as you think because there's different categories. There's dramatics and then there's soft and feminine categories. Um, so I was, I was teaching them the technique and the culture to come with mm -hmm. it. I literally gave them a quick drive-by lesson and I told them, so yeah, even um, our choreographer, she she always says, I don't want to say it wrong. I go, you're talking about a dip? And she's like, yes, I'd love to. And I said, that's where we, that's why it's always been transcendent because you have pioneers who are always willing to learn. The show Pose, the reason why Pose has blown up is because it's written by the children and ran by the children of the children. It's the community. Sure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's something that's, and I think that's, it like has entered the mainstream so strongly, even though it's been around for so long, it's just because mm -hmm. I feel like there is a necessity for change to happen in the dance community and in the, in any community really, just to have something new and fresh. And they had to look 
back on something that was so well the thing is i would say i would say new and fresh but baby we've been a part of the straight community for years because it's like i tell folks like when you watch shows like designing women or oh and the same actor when he was in mannequin like we have always been everybody's fairy godmother whether you loved us or hated us or treated us bad we have always sprinkled this love on the world because we do exist it's just now people are really starting to understand what freedom is because of course, you know, you know, being gay back then wasn't the same as it is now. So that's why like I take the responsibility to, as I'm raising these children, these up and coming children that yes, right now coming out of the closet might not necessarily get you kicked out of the house, but some places still are. I have a daughter who actually um, came out in November and was kicked out of her home I say she, excuse me, because we love to use that pronoun. Um, That's how, you know, most of the time uh, she likes to be referred to. But, um, yeah, she came out of the closet and got kicked out of her entire house and she found us. Yeah, and I think, and I think, not necessarily the gay culture, but this voguing culture, I feel like there's been a, an immediate shift to to welcome it because it was mm-hmm. something new and fresh that 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 people wanted to see, but it's been around for so long, so it, it's kind of that more people are starting to know yeah. it, and every a lot of people in the gay culture understand it and know it's been around for a while, and it's starting yeah. to go mainstream. So a lot of a lot more people are doing it. So it's nice to see that there is there is a lot more of it. And mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully people are learning the technique and learning the culture behind it, you know, because it's, it's so fast and it's so strong and it's such a great, it's such a great movement style. That's exactly. fascinating. It's like, like I just, I am, every time I watch YouTube, I'm always like floored by it. Like, I mean, especially when you, when you break down the categories, like there's yeah. something for everyone in the ballroom yeah. culture and they don't they don't realize that. And I feel like that's the reason why the fat has been blown up. It's because it's not the, it's not the recognition of us existing, but a lot of the time it's actually the fact that they're connecting. Finally, they're starting to realize that, that our rights are human rights just because they choose to use the word lesbian. A lot of times it's actually to, to prohibit women. (laughs) You know what I mean? And that's why Mm. we fight. And that's why we decide to, to show beauty through some of the most dark times. It's it's like I often compared um, COVID-19 to the AIDS HIV epidemic, which really was yeah. a pandemic. You mm-hmm. know, they didn't know how it was passing and people were getting kicked out and people were losing jobs and institutions were falling and you still had people out here, you know, joining the hullabaloo when they need to be inside or, you know what I mean? So it's just like... Mm-hmm. And that's why it's still also transcendent because in these dark times, we will show you beauty. But baby, it's like when you watch Paris is Burning and mm-hmm. not only is it the the shade in the in the reading with the movement, but it's what am I showing you? I'm showing you luxury in this dark times. You can't see my 22 inch wig. Yes, you can, because I say it's there. That's, that's what's pushing it. And I'm going to, even if I'm sitting here hungrier, I have gave everything to get to this dance floor. That's yeah. what you take to the world. I'm showing you my moments and I'm here to collect my tins. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm doing in this pandemic. I'm like, I'm at rest and I'm creating not because I need to create, but it's because I need to create. I'm going to show you what I'm going to do when this is done. I'm showing you what I'm doing now. 
You know what I mean? And it's, it's a, it's a beautiful community to be in. You will yeah. find it's your chosen family. So when I am voguing, when I am improving out there and I am twirling and I'm dipping and I'm walking and I'm ducking, like not ducking, duck walking, but I'm doing it all. It's because I'm giving you this light. I'm showing you the excellence. I'm showing you why I am the softest, why I'm the strongest, why I'm the tallest, why I'm the fastest, why are my, my voguing hands are like machete blades, honey. They are here to slice through this oppression is here to slice through the negativity. It is here to be a beacon of light. And that's what we need. The, the community of Vogue itself in the ballroom culture is here to pave the way to continue to push the light. It's, it's, it's a beautiful experience. And when you're watching these videos and you're seeing these kids go off, it's because it is out of this world. They are rooting in a different way. It's, yeah. it's basically, I love when they like to do montage videos of voguing next to African dance styles or tribal oh, yeah. dance styles. Yeah. It's all there. We're mm -hmm. just connecting people back to their roots. Sure. Yeah, you know, and you bring up a good point in this pandemic time that we're living in. I mean, there's going to be so much great art that's coming out of it. Just, mm -hmm. you know, we, we're, we're not going to see it, you know, tomorrow we're going to see it next month. We're going to see it next year. We're going to see yeah. it three years. We're going to see it it's five years. It's the same way gonna... that the HIV pandemic changed the world. This is going to change us forever. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? And it really is. And I can't wait to see all of it, but they, everybody should watch Paris is burning. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if Everyone you're, should watch you're not Paris getting. is Burning. There's a, and then they should go beyond Paris is Burning because that's barely scratching oh, whoa, whoa, the surface. Whoa, whoa. Let's just start at Paris is Burning. We well, well, there is, well, one of my favorite, there's, here's a hint that people need to look for. Miss Peppa La Beja, Peppa. my favorite thing. Casey Johnson. Miss Casey Johnson. Because <laughs> Casey Johnson is Peppa, Peppa La Beja in, in Reincarnate. But one of my favorite things is that he says is that, um, oh my God, and these kids are going to rake me across the coals because I'm probably not going to say it exactly right. But it's when, when Peppa is in her interview, she says, basically, yeah, I'm the mother of the house of La Beja. I did not create it. Crystal was there for, before me. Miss Crystal Abeja, people need to know who that is. And then you see how, um, but his, he didn't say that part. He says, I, I just run it now and I rule it with a soft glove. But you need to listen to the history. Who is Crystal? Who's Crystal Abeja? Like, because everybody's like, oh, Peppa was first. No, Peppa is just there to carry the torch. So this mm -hmm. goes back eons. It's like how I, I take class from... Um, a ninja now. I take class from the legendary Danielle Polanco, who is uh, a cisgendered woman in the ballroom culture, um, mm -hmm. who is in the House of Ninja. She was, if I'm correct, because I like to, like I said, I like to do my history, honey. I like to do my research. She was raised under Benny Ninja, who was the, was the one who took over the House of Ninja when Willie Ninja passed on. Mm -hmm. And so, and one of my favorite things about also, like I tell everybody, we're everywhere. My house father, Carlos, um, who I co-parent the house of Pabon with, he actually was in a circle with Willie Ninja. Like he, the, the ballroom culture is everywhere. We're, we're not, we're, we're not actually hidden as you think we're there. That's the underground world. So you, there's a pretty much chance of one out of 10 people got COVID-19. Well, one <laughs> out of three of us are house members. Okay. So it's like, we'll start you know, with. Let's start with 
Harrison's Burning. It's a great, it's a really great movie. It's, I mean, sad, it's captivating, it's a good lesson. It's everything. And, and if you don't want to watch the movie, I will say this then. There's a podcast called Schooling the Children Ooh. that also break down the, the LGBTQIA plus culture. It looks nice. like one of my favorite is how, like, I'll tell you this, this is what I mean. How most folks don't realize that Ursula in the Disney movie was based off the drag queen Divine. Right. And and people are like, wait, what? I'm like, yes, honey. Divi- our drag culture goes well beyond most people's thought. And just another bit is that Divine was is recorded as the first drag queen to actually do the cut crease. Oh uh, yeah. So all these women now are, you know, pushing the cut crease and contour, but it's not about woman or man. It's not about gay or straight, but this culture of inclusivity and the lost children, we're the ones pushing it forward and it's the above ground who are running with it because they're now actually seeing representation. Most of these kids above ground actually just do not express themselves. That's what this voguing is really known for. It's the expression that I love. It's the love of, of what it is that you love. What is it in you? It, you know what I mean? Do you get it? It's like, it's there. And that's why people, so yes, yeah, starting with Paris is burning is yeah. good. But then I, I, I implore people to do more research, Sure. watch Tu Wong Fu and listen to, and yes, Tu Wong Fu is, you know, now people are like, they could have had gay actors, but at the end of the day, we can't fight for representation and scream for it if we just don't even get it. Be glad we have it. Be glad that the late, great um, Patrick Swayze, John Leguizamo, and Wesley Snipes did nothing but justice in those Yeah, roles. they did a great job. They you did know, justice. <laughs> I, think, I think, yeah. And you'll see, they were voguing in that. If you watch yeah. when they're in the car and they're by the train, you know, the train station, they're all voguing. And people didn't know mm-hmm. what that was back then. Sure. Only, the, only the certain children knew. Yes, but you know what everybody should see? What? Oh my yes. gosh. I can't wait we for it to open. <laughs> I can't wait till I get out of this quarantine and I can fly to New York and I can come see you. And I'm so happy that I got to interview you. Oh, and you. we get to talk about so much. Um, again, I'm so proud of you and everything that you've done and thank how you, you made your music. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. In all of you. Thanks thank for doing you. this with, with for me. But wait, I gotta do my points. Oh, what points are you going to give me? Okay, I was like, I don't necessarily have five. Um, okay, go and, ahead. And I will say, these are not points necessarily. I would like to say these are just things that I think about or live by. Okay. Um, because so especially... tell me. So tell me five things. Okay. That you live by. Five things that I live by. First and foremost. I am in charge of my happiness, so therefore I decide what success is. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing I'll tell people is do not compare yourself in a negative tone to anything. If you are going to compare yourself to someone, then you need to be using it to be inspired. What is it about them that is pulling your attention, not you don't have what they have? What is it mm-hmm. about them that is making me look at them, then be inspired by them? to do better, to do more. Second, like I said, just in that first bit, you decide what success is. So minimal success is success no less because everybody has to remember that a journey is a collection of steps. So don't measure the size of the step, just take one. And when you add them up together, you will have that journey to success. Third, 
literally understand that there is always room to grow. And there's the other side of that. Once you realize there's always room to go to grow, be teachable. You are not the best. And even if you have a master's degree in something, there is something to be learned in every situation. So seek that. Don't seek to be right. Seek to be taught. Um, yeah. Fourth, I would say every once in a while, go back and take your basic level of whatever um, genre of dance you want to go into if you're in the arts or singing. Like, go back to that level one of ballet class. Why? Because that's where the foundation is. Go back to the level one of tap. Go back to the level one of hip hop. Go back to the level one of modern dance. It's okay to go back and to be inspired to, because when you find yourself running dry is because you forgot where you came from a lot of the times. That's what's going to mm -hmm. inspire you. Keep it fresh by going back and re, re um, what is it called? Reinforcing your foundation. Um, yeah. And then my last thing is so important because everyone says this. So this is a two-parter. First thing first, the major thing is stop yesing everyone with these cute anecdotes and sayings. Start applying them. No longer, I can lead a horse to water and then you get mad because you're trying to pave the way from somebody. Listen to what you're saying and apply it. You can lead a horse to water. You can't make it drink. But what I am sure. telling folks is, is that do not, do not, do not stop creating. So many people get caught up in, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And when it's not the success, you know, revert back to the other points I live by. They're forgetting to be creative. We naturally fall in love with the arts because we're all creative. The moment mm -hmm. we stop being creative is the moment we fail ourselves. So if you are auditioning for, I don't know, Bob and Schmelin's show and you don't get it after the fifth time, create a show. Don't compare it to their show in a, I'm better than your side to make it. But what is it about this show that made you want to get into it? And if you didn't get into it, then make your own and use that inspiration to create your work. Yeah, very true. And, and those are it. <laughs> those are it. Like I said, I'm so proud of you. Thanks for doing this for me. I can't believe I've known you for so, so long. And I've you know, been part of your journey to get to where you are now. And I'm, I'm, I'm thank so, you. I I'm so proud say, of you. I'm so honored. Thank you. I want to just say, too, it's like, it's a, I'm proud and, and I'm honored to know you because, you know, before there was this podcast, there was just conversations. And just yeah. like I was saying on that last point, you had to create it. I said to you, I said, TJ, we're going to look back at the moment when you finally did episode one. And then here we are in season two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm proud of you and I'm honored to know you. And, and the reason why you are in my life for so long is because you've honestly just always inspired me to be better for myself. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Thanks. I love you so much. Thanks for doing it. We'll talk to you soon. I love you. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for joining in on the conversation. To view additional content, follow E's podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe and leave comments on the episode wherever this podcast can be found. See you next week.